This is the Modern Day Tribe Podcast, episode 24. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. Hi there, I'm Sarah, your host of the Modern Day Tribe podcast. I'm beyond excited to introduce our guest today. She is past president of Dona International, advanced certified birth and postpartum doula through Dona International, certified Lamaze childbirth educator, perinatal bereavement counselor, She's also a certified Gottman Institute Bringing Baby Home Educator, International Board Certified Lactation Consultant, a Postpartum Support and International Group Facilitator for Perinatal Mood and Anxiety Disorders. She has also been awarded many awards centered around perinatal support and education, along with being a conference presenter at Lamaze International, Dona International, Wisconsin Association of Lactation Consultants Quarterly, and La Leche League International. In addition to being a published author for many perinatal journals and magazines, she has continually been an expert contributor to many news outlets such as Time Magazine, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, NBC, and many more. Perinatal professionals are blessed to have her as an educator and continual mentor. Here is founder and owner of Nurturing Doula Dreams, Anne Grower. How are you, Anne? I'm doing great, Sarah. I'm so glad we're getting this chance to talk. I am too. And I always like to mention first how we know each other. And I want to go back a little bit from when I found out actually what a doula was. (laughs) And this is after I had my third baby. Somehow, I think I knew what a doula was, but I always say I just didn't get the memo, I guess. (laughs) My education background has always been of service. And when I found out what a doula was and I started doing the research, I was just so excited to be able to serve in this way to women and their families. I was doing some research on what the doula certification was and I found that Dona International to be the largest and the most widely known certifying organization for birth and postpartum doulas. And I found the next certification courses available here in Dallas. And Anne's postpartum doula training was starting that fall, which at that time was just a few months away. So I was just bouncing off the walls excited. And fast forward to the last day of the course with Anne. And there was a group of us in her course, and we just really connected and learned so much from Anne. We just knew we were beyond prepared to start our profession as certified doulas. And I was personally was in tears, and these are happy tears, of course, at the thought of what we were able to incapable of doing now that we can begin our journey as doulas and nurturing and supporting those moms and their families. Anne has continued to be my and many doulas mentor as we continue through our service to women and their babies. I want to thank you, Anne, for all that you do for me and my doula work and doulas across the world. There are so many topics that I'd love to talk to you about, and I know that our listeners are going to gain so much insight from your wisdom of all the birth and postpartum experience that you have. So I just, again, want to thank you for all that you do for uh, the doula community and the birth and postpartum community. Just from the bottom of my heart, I just want to tell you that you're cherished, valued, and loved for what you're doing for us first of all thank you for that that's 
incredibly, incredibly touching. And it means the world to me because um, when someone comes to a doula workshop that I'm teaching, it's not just about what comes out of my mouth. It's also what comes out of the lived experiences of each person who participates. And it sounds like we hit the mark with your group completely. And I actually still have the photo of your group that sits above my desk and I see it every day. Oh, I love it. (laughs) I love it. I look at that photo and to see how, at least how far I have come. I know it has so much to do with what happened over those days of the courses that we took with you, the experiences that we had, like you said, the stories that we shared. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And if anyone is thinking about becoming service of women in this way, I would completely recommend the Dona program. And if you are fortunate enough to get Anne as your instructor, I know that you'll have, you'll just hit the ground running. I know that there are so many other great instructors also. But of course, with the with the experience that I had with you, I obviously want to recommend you if they can, if they're able to find a a course near them because I know I have not only in-town listeners, I have people across the United States and and now across the globe and partly because of you, for example, knowing we've had the same instructor, I've connected with some other doulas. I want to first ask you how you got started in all this because you've done so much and what just fueled your fire to get started in doula work and perinatal professional work? Yeah, it's um it's not anything that was on my radar when I was growing up or even as a young adult. Uh but it was the birth of my first child, which is um a very common theme amongst uh birth workers, you know, mm. that it was the birth of a child that sort of led them into the direction that they wound up in and um there were a number of things that happened with that and I really I loved pregnancy Um, I was terrified of birth and had an amazing childbirth educator who talked me down (laughs) so Mm -hmm. that I could do what I needed to do. Um, And we had, um, we had some things that happened that, you know, caused the baby to come very early. And there were a number of issues that occurred. And yet on the other side of it, I realized how much I treasured the whole pregnancy, birthing, and postpartum experience. And for me, it was a desire to become a childbirth educator after that Mm -hmm. because I had such a great role model. And then becoming a childbirth educator meant observing three births. And I don't know how anybody just observes a birth. You got to get in there and help. If you're Mm -hmm. in the room, what are you doing, Mm -hmm. right? And so uh, wanting to do more of that, And then when Dona was born in 1992, I finally had a name for what it was I wanted to be and do. And over time, one of the things that happened for me is that my clients would have amazing births. You know, we'd worked so hard with their providers and, um, you know, getting to know them. They'd have great births. And then I would see them in a couple of weeks to do their follow-up visit. And it had all gone to heck in a handbasket. Mm -hmm. And I I kept thinking, there's something wrong with this picture. (laughs) There's no way that people who are so empowered should be completely destroyed, you know, within a couple of weeks after having their baby. And it's because they didn't have help. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of my clients lived across country from where their families were or the grandparents were working and couldn't come, or if they came, they could come for a few days. And it it just, it seemed like there was a huge problem with this and we needed to start providing care for them. And they were the ones who said to me, you need to do this, you need to do postpartum. And so that's what led me on the journey. You know, the families were the ones who taught me and showed me that this was the direction to go in. And then everything else, you know, that I've sort of brought on board along the way over the last 31 years really came about as a need, a need for knowledge so that I could better serve my clients. Um, 
because I wouldn't have ever thought that I would have done all of those things, but it just seemed like the natural progression. So, you know, it's like everybody else, you know, uh, or at least a lot of doulas, uh, the birth of that first baby sort of put me in a different place. And then wanting to be able to make a difference. And that's, um, you know, kind of want to set me on the trajectory. And I will say that over the years, I've really come to the point, I'm going to be 56 in a couple of weeks. And for me, the most important thing is to get the knowledge out there and to spark the interest of people who want to take care of families because I don't want this, I can't take this to my grave. This has to be information that's shared far and wide. Mm. Otherwise, I will feel like the last 31 years have not done what they were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel like I'm the in the infant stage of that, where I have seen the capabilities of doulas and the work that they do. And to be able to share that information is so important to me. That's part of the reason why I'm doing the podcast. And I know that that is a free outlet for for anybody to come and listen to and to be able to pass that information along. I know that there are so many ways that we can support parents. We're going to talk a little bit about that virtual support here in a little bit. But in this journey of becoming a doula, I also found the podcast that I was listening to so helpful. And actually, it was a podcast that I listened to to help me start my podcast too. So (laughs) I know, (laughs) yeah, I know it's very valuable. And it's a, like I said, a free resource that like you, I look for ways to be able to pass this information along that there is support and there are ways to get help even if they don't feel like they're just drowning in postpartum issues they can really still have that support thrive and really just relax and enjoy that time while they're recovering and loving on their babies either way I can see where that support and for myself I was real similar to you Uh, In that I did have times where I I felt supported or I didn't ever have a doula. But I look back now to see how that would have been so valuable. There wouldn't have been a time where I didn't feel supported because there were times that I didn't feel supported. And I even have family in town. I have a lot. I'm in an area where I grew up. So I have a lot of friends and family. But I still, even with that. I had times where I didn't feel supported, knowing that I could have had something there, somebody non-judgmental, non-biased professional there with all that knowledge to be able to help me. And I just want to do that same thing for others. I'm like you, I'm a lifelong learner and I learn a lot from the parents that I serve. (laughs) I really let them kind of guide me in my service and what their focus is and what their needs are, because they all look different, although there is a lot of similarities. I really appreciate you sharing that, how you got started, because I think that tells a lot about our hearts and where our hearts are when we are serving our families. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate you saying that. I think that The other reason for being able to sort of tell your origin story, I think, is that sometimes people will say to me, oh, my gosh, you have all these letters after your name. And it's like they think I was sprung that way or something. And the truth is, it's just, you know, been following the families. The families have shown me what direction I needed to go in each and every time. Absolutely. And you being my mentor, I we have our group that we share things with and different ways that we can support families. And I love the fact that the families show us that. And if we continue to be open minded and lifelong learners that we will really learn a lot by 
listening to our families and knowing where to extend our professions are an internationally board certified lactation consultant. That's a real need after the families have their babies. And so if someone were to be considering becoming a doula, what would they look for in a certifying program? That's a great question. When Donna first started 28 years ago, they they were the only doula certifying organization on an, a national level at that time because it was originally doulas of North America and then it expanded over time. And now if you do an internet search, there are I'm willing to bet you close to 100 organizations or individuals who say that they train and certify doulas. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it really tricky for folks to figure out what it is they should be looking for, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that there should only be one because I've never been a believer in that. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I would say Dona has always been highly supportive of options for people because just like individual family members, uh, we're not all the same either. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think what it comes down to is you've got to think about several things. Number one, it's got to be a good fit for your personality and for your mindset. If you decide to join an organization that is not a good fit for you, that as you're reading their materials, it's just rubbing you the wrong way, it's not setting well, it's not going to work. And you will be perpetually frustrated in your time with them. So I think it's about finding one that kind of clicks for you. That's Mm -hmm. job one. I think a lot of times people are looking for the fastest way in to the field And that is not always in their best interest, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it feels like, you know, if I can just, like, do this, I don't know, eight-hour class, and then I'm done, and, you know, I I can just get on with doing the work, it can feel very tempting. I've run across a couple of those. But the truth is that you need to think of this exactly how you would think of school or anything else that you're going to put a lot of time and effort into. And the reasoning on this is that you're going to be blessed to be invited into people's homes as a postpartum doula when they are at their most vulnerable, mm-hmm. when they are as open and as fragile as they can possibly be, and yet very strong at the same time. And to be invited into someone's inner sanctum when that's happening is, it's almost sacred as far as I'm concerned. So you have an obligation to walk in that door, making sure that you are not bringing biases with you, that you're parking them elsewhere, right? right. And it's the same thing at a birth. If you're going to be attending births, then you have the same obligation. It's their birth, not yours. It's their experience that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. And so things that we say or do or, um, you know, even leave a little bit of an impression, they're not going to forget. And as I always say, they don't get a do-over. Mm-hmm. They only have one chance to have this baby. They only have one chance to have this postpartum period. And the most important thing we can do is not impact them in a negative fashion. That's job one. So when you're looking at organizations, that's why looking at the fit, you know, do they do you seem to speak the same language? Does mm-hmm. it feel comfortable to you? Then you can look at things like, is it a nonprofit organization? Is it a private business? Um, for some people, that will matter a lot. And for other people, it won't matter one whit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always liked that I was part of something bigger, that I was part of something that on a nonprofit level was trying to do greater good in the world. And on a level that I couldn't see doing in a private business. So for me, that was an attraction. But for other people, that's not necessarily what they're looking for. And I fully respect that. But I think after that, you also want to look at, you know, like, honestly, what does this look like? What does this program look like? What is it soup to nuts? What, What am I going to be doing? 
to get myself prepared. And after that, I really think it comes down to you need to know that coming in and just being present is massive. That's what the clients value above all else. Mm -hmm. That's what the research shows us. But beyond that, we also have to remember that we have the ability to impact things in a positive manner if we're educated enough on certain pieces of this. And so that's why I say, you know, taking a course where you are doing some self-study, where it's encouraging you to stretch your wings a little bit and learn as much as you can. And just as you were talking about being a lifelong learner, the way I think of it is being endlessly curious that if you have a really curious nature, that is a plus because having that curious nature, you should be questioning things from your trainer and from your organization and you should be trying to understand where people are coming from, your clients. And when you're curious, there's no room for judgment. Mm-hmm. You're either you're either mm-hmm. curious or you're judgmental and it allows you to be in a in a more secure place so that you can look at what's involved and give you an opportunity to go at things kind of wholeheartedly. And I think that it's a, just about finding an organization that fits you. And that doesn't mean that there's one that's you know, perfect or anything like that. Clearly, that's not the case. But I will say that, I mean, I kind of bleed donor. I've been a part of it since the very beginning. So I, you know, I have to own my bias on Mm -hmm. that. And I own it proudly. But I also have a lot of doula friends who are part of other organizations. And I, I love and respect the work that they're doing and feel very strongly that it's not about the organization as much as it is about attitude and having a good ethical place that you're coming from so that you're not trying to push your own agenda with clients. Because that's mm-hmm. the part that worries me is that sometimes folks are so enthusiastic that they forget that this is not a, a classroom exercise for the clients. It's the real deal. And so we have to take that, that charge of being with them very seriously. And when I say the word sacred, some people have said to me, oh, that's, oh, that you shouldn't be pushing that onto this thing. And I'm like, well, I don't know what's much more sacred than birth. And when you're talking about it, it's not just the birth of the baby, it's the birth of the parents and the birth of what they're going to be as a family. So from my perspective, I I feel pretty safe saying it that way. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And with the knowledge that we have and knowing that we have such a good base when we're starting our doula work as donor professionals. I know that for me, being a lifelong learner is being curious, not only learning from the books that I've read, but to learning from parents that I work with and learning from other professionals in the area of pregnancy, birth and postpartum like PTs and breastfeeding consultants and professionals that help before, during, and after. Knowing that I can refer to other professionals, knowing that I can't do it all really makes a difference with me too. And I just love being in an organization. Also to go back to that curiosity is, I feel as though that being a member of DONA I feel that the organization itself is curious. The members as a whole, we're curious and in a way that we want to make a difference. Always learning, learning the topics that are at hand currently. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit about what's happening to families, especially this year during a pandemic. But also the overall issues that we're dealing with that have been there for a long time and that we'd love to see change and for the benefit of these families. With that, I know that we've just had our big donor conference 
and I've talked about really important issues that are happening. And what are some of those issues that if someone were to not really be in this field, that they might not realize that that, you know, these are some things that, you know, especially with an election year, not being political, but, you know, that there are issues being brought up that a lot of people just don't talk about or don't seek more information about. What are some of those big, important topics that we as a community to be aware of? That's a great question, Sarah. There's so much going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that part of what I try to remember from over decades of doing this work is that eras shift, time shifts, and as uh, Dr. Maya Angelou, one of my sheroes, said, you do the best you can, and when you know better, you do better, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that has been sort of a, I don't know, sort of a mantra, I think, in doula work especially for Donna. And over the last few years, there have been several things that have happened that have caused us to reprioritize. I'm not in leadership on a board level or anything like that, but, you know, in staying connected with with my peers and the leadership in Donna, I've been really, really pleased because one of the issues that we're facing right now that has only been shown to be so, like we've taken the covers off of it even more during the pandemic has been systemic racism. And it's not just in America, it's all across the globe in different countries. I was just listening to a podcast from someone from Australia and what they're facing right now with their Aboriginal families, their First Nations. Mm -hmm. And we see this being mirrored all over the place. And part of what we're seeing is that on, on several levels, number one, we have really become awakened to the plight of our black and brown families in Dona and also our First Nations or Indigenous peoples as well, that just due to the fact that someone has a bias against them because of their skin color, they and their babies are more at risk. And we're seeing within America, Black mothers dying during pregnancy through the postpartum period or into the first year after the baby's born at a rate about four times higher than their white uh, compatriots. And the, the issue with this is people automatically think, well, it's access to care, it's um, socioeconomic status, all of those kinds of things. But it defies the logic on that. We see it if we have a 16-year-old white mommy and we have a 32 year old phd who is black she still has a four times higher chance of experiencing mortality during the childbearing year so when you have this kind of thing happening on this level we have a moral responsibility to do something Mm -hmm. We can't just sit back and say, oh, that's just someone's opinion or whatever. No, it's we're losing the lives of mothers and babies. And the babies we're losing at a fairly closely related rate as well. And America spends more money than any other country on the planet on health care. But we are ranked in a very bad position out of industrialized nations. We're like 17th in how well we do with our mothers and babies mm. and uh, birthing people and babies. And this is this is a huge problem. Like, it's on a level that it's like the pandemic. It is the other pandemic that is occurring at the same time. So we have an obligation to deal with this. And Donna got involved with the March for Moms about four years ago, mm-hmm. which brought together leaders from all different areas of the childbearing period, including the American Congress of OBGYN, the American College of Nurse Midwives, uh, Lamaze International, Donna, a bunch of others as well, and started to do things to bring awareness on the issue. We typically have a march in Washington in 
May of each year. And then we spend a day on Capitol Hill going from office to office, split up into groups, visiting senators and legislators and trying to get their support behind legislation and also to look at the larger picture, not where we were successful in getting a bill passed into law a couple of years ago where it authorized money for the CDC to be able to investigate exactly what is going on, to really dig down into the numbers so that you put your efforts in the right direction, Mm -hmm. right? And we're not just guessing. But the second part of it is that it's really brought forward that we can't waste any time on this because every day we're losing a couple of mothers. Every Mm -hmm. single day that goes past, two more moms have died in the United States alone. Mm -hmm. And other countries are not having as great a number as we do, but for those families, that's their world that's gone. So we have an obligation to take care of this. And part of that for Dona too was when you're looking at the larger world, it also meant having to recognize as we started looking at anti-racism training for our members and for our leadership, it meant having to look at ourselves as an organization. We were founded by five amazing but white founders. Most of the leadership of the years has been white, not all, but most. And it wasn't until last year that we had a black president of Dona. Mm-hmm. And so it's been something that has been a long time coming. And Dona's faced some criticism for different things over the years related to this. And I'm very proud of them because they're owning what has happened. And rather than just trying to cover it up and look away, they've been saying, so let's take care of it. Let's get to the root of it and go from there. So right now, the leadership is partnering with an amazing anti-bias organization that is helping them do a deep look. And it'll involve all the members. It'll involve the leadership. They're doing a triage of what does it look like to be a part of DONA? How are we at the place that we are at? And um, how do we do better, as Dr. Angelo says? Mm -hmm. So I think that what it will do is ultimately it's going to make the organization stronger. It's going to make certain that doulas are available to families of all backgrounds, all colors, all beliefs, everything, and that they will know that they're welcome at the table and that we are actively inviting them. And that's a huge piece that has to be there because any organization that's part of doing this work has to understand that there is implicit bias present. If you're living in modern-day America for certain and from what my friends tell me in Canada and other places, it's very similar. We have to do the hard work of looking at ourselves, which is really challenging Mm -hmm. uh, because no one wants to be called a racist. And yet it doesn't mean that we're not, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. that it's been around us for so long that we had no idea that you don't just have to be a member of the KKK to be a racist. You know, it's just, it's part of the institutionalized method of how we approach everything and the problem is that every time I get really frustrated and I think I just I don't know that I can do any more digging it's like it's I'm so frustrated then I remember two more mothers died today Mm -hmm. two more black women died today and this is because of where we are with our racism and then it's like okay no excuses we got to get back and get my head clear so that I can do my part in this. So I think that that's probably the single biggest thing, quite frankly, because, you know, when it's life and death, there's, there's no waiting around. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, the two points that you brought up about our self-reflection as individuals and as groups and organizations is so important to go through that process of self-reflection and then what you had also mentioned the research behind it 
and they're they're not dying just because they're dying. They're dying because of something that could have been prevented is what the yeah. research is finding. And so that's the key to say to ourselves, what can we do to be better? What yeah. can we do to prevent this from happening? Because it is preventable. Thank you so much for talking about that. Because a lot of times those are hard conversations that many of us want to maybe try to avoid, but it's not... It, it shouldn't be because there are moms and babies that are dying and for unnecessary reasons. And it's something that we need to continue to be aware of and to work on. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Along with that's happening, there are specific things that are happening this year that are a little bit different than what most of us know with a pandemic that's happening because of, of a virus. What would you say are happening to families this year in 2020 if someone's listening to this in the way future? Um, <laughs> which would be awesome to think about that this, you know, these podcasts are still around. There's a pandemic that are that's forcing people across the world to be in some sort of isolation because of the virus. What would you say is affecting the families of newborns? What are the parents having to go through? Oh, this one is so painful. This one is so painful, Sarah. March 12th, I got off a plane in San Diego to be at a doula workshop, and it was the last one that I was able to participate in in person. Mm -hmm. And when I got on the plane... You know, there was talk of the pandemic and it moving closer and all of that. But when I got off the plane, suddenly things were shutting down. And I was getting, when I turned my phone back on, uh, I was receiving messages about immediately doulas were being blocked from attending births in hospitals. Mm. People were, couldn't, in many places, couldn't even have their partners with them while they were in labor. And that... Folks were being told not to allow anyone into their home when they were at home with their babies. I have to say, I literally sat down on a couch and the tears just started coming because I could I could feel what was coming. And I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to feel it or to see it, but I, I felt it so strongly that we were going to be sacrificing our families. I know that's very strong language and that in a pandemic, especially as we were in the beginning when we weren't sure like what was going on or how we were going to deal with things or, you know, how it was being uh, shared in, in space and time, you know, is it through aerosol droplets, all of those kinds of questions that we were having, I get that decisions had to be made. But I have to tell you, I am highly resentful that any time something medical happens, the emotional and psychological needs of the family are thrown away. Mm -hmm. And I believe that is what has happened. And in some cases, it's taken, it's allowed hospitals or providers who didn't like doulas to begin with to just say, yep, the door's closed. You can't come in. And in other cases, it has caused really good institutions and providers to feel like they had no choice but to block the door to these dualists coming into the space. And then it created unbelievable levels of work for the labor and delivery nurses mm -hmm. who are not as equipped to be in a room, contraction to contraction, every step of the way, giving that one-on-one -on -one support and are oftentimes having to take care of more than one patient at a time. I mean, it really took the nursing staff and stressed them to the max mm -hmm. in addition to their being frightened and not knowing what was going on and having to, you know, do their very level best to care for people. But everybody that I talked to in the medical community just kept saying, it's a pandemic, we don't have a choice. And I kept saying, you do have a choice. You do have a choice here. You're just choosing not to see what the other options are. And 
one of the things that we have run into is that we are still, I mean, we're seven months down the road and we are still seeing partners from being blocked from some places, mm-hmm. including around the globe. I don't ever just think of the United States. I mean, in Ireland right now, the families have been practically at war with their healthcare system because since this whole thing started, they have refused to allow partners to come in and be present for the labor and birth. They have finally acquiesced in some cases where they will let them come in for certain parts of labor, but then they can't be there in postpartum at all. And a hundred thousand other things. There have been women who have been forced to miscarry or have stillbirths without anyone they know and love with them. Mm. The same thing has happened in the United States, but it is of epidemic proportions in Ireland right now. And the doulas and the families are pushing back. They're fighting so hard. And it's one example. I'm not just picking on Ireland. Mm I mean, in the United States, for the most part, we finally figured out that partners could probably come in and they can be present, but then they can't leave the room. They can't do all these other things. All right, people get that. But we still have institutions that are refusing to allow doulas in the door. And we've got doulas who are critical to the well-being of their clients and, and being fully present. When you have a client who has had a long history of abuse, who has had a long history of trust issues, including with the medical profession, and you're denying them a level of care that they need to psychologically and emotionally work through the laboring process, you are setting that person up for needing more care on the tail end of this. And we are setting up partners to be their everything, which is the deal that brought doulas in to begin with Mm -hmm. partners always told us look i can i love her i want to support her i want to help her in whatever way i can And, and i'm using you know just purely female pronouns right at the moment because i'm looking backwards at what the research said what they said to us is though i i can't be everything Uh, I'm scared to death, too. This is my baby. This is my life partner. You know, that kind of thing. And we've forgotten that they have needs, too. Like, we had just said it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because it doesn't matter medically. And I'm sorry, but there's more to this than just medical. We are not making widgets here. We're Mm -hmm. creating families. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing has happened in the postpartum end. Uh, If you're birthing in a hospital, they're going to be trying to get you out the door as quickly as possible. Because the longer you're in the hospital, the more likely you are to become contaminated with something Mm -hmm. uh, because it's a hospital. And so they're trying to rush people out the door. So they're not even close to their milk coming in. They're not even, they're probably still feeling some really tender stuff from just having birth. Um, And then they're sent home. And then when they get home, they don't have help at home Mm -hmm. because the people who might have been there, the grandparents and the close friends and sisters and all that, they're told not to come in. You're a vulnerable group and you could cause more problems than than problems that you could solve. And so we send them home to what? Sleepless nights, Mm -hmm. no understanding of what's going on, no clear reasoning on what's happening with their bodies. And again, we have set them up for huge issues and we've seen it in the little bit of research that's come out so far and it's all preliminary at this point but we know that depression has skyrocketed um, in our postpartum population we know that anxiety has skyrocketed we're seeing issues that were always there to a certain degree but now they are they have a spotlight shined on them Mm -hmm. all of the cobwebs have been brushed away and Folks have, in many places, especially if it's a hotbed area, are told, you know, no one should come into your home at all, including doulas. And so that's caused issues where people said, okay, well, if they can't come in, then I really shouldn't have one. What good are they? (laughs) Not understanding that we do so much more than just sit with you or or whatever. And for, for my perspective, and I realize I am only one person, but I honestly believe that we have done irreparable damage to these families mm-hmm. and that in my way of thinking, it's an ethical responsibility that we've got to call it out, 
We've got to bring attention to it. We've got to correct the wrongs. And we've also got to make sure this doesn't happen again, where families get completely told that any need they have that is not immediately medical does not matter. It's why it drove so many people to home birth, to birth center births, which you know, has overwhelmed the home and birth center midwives because they're trying to keep Mm -hmm. up with the the need that's going on. And not everybody is a good fit for that either. Mm -hmm. And I realize I sound like I'm kind of on a little bit of a soapbox with this because I am. We have done true harm here and not allowed families to be taken care of in the way that they absolutely 100% needed. And it, I think that a lot of this, not all of it, but a lot of this could have been prevented with a little bit of common sense approach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was going to say, so what it's done is, I mean, as doulas, we are people who are used to working the dynamics within whatever system is in place around us, whether it be society or a hospital hierarchy or a family dynamic, whatever. And so right away, we started going to work with what can we do? How can we do things? So we started seeing doulas uh, doing virtual support where they were present through FaceTime and Zoom and things like that during labor. And while it is not exactly the same as being able to have a doula truly right there with you hands-on, that kind of thing, it allowed them to at least have that voice, to have that knowledge, to have that support of someone who understands the process and is truly there for you there still. So I think a lot of people have, a lot of doulas have found that they've been able to provide support this way, although it's absolutely exhausting for the doula. I mean, the amount of output it requires for a birth doula energy-wise to be present in this way and yet not be present physically is astounding. I'm amazed at what the birth doulas have been able to do. Mm-hmm. And and even now, we're still facing issues with hospitals. Oh, no, you can't have Zoom on during the birth itself. It's a liability for the hospital. Yeah. It's like... no way should this be your priority right now no way should this be your priority and then the other thing is you know in the postpartum doula world I think in some ways it's opened some things up for us like every I think most of us had some aspect of offering texting support and email support and phone calls and things like that but we didn't think of it as digital right we didn't think of it as virtual it was just Mm -hmm. you know a compliment to what we did Mm -hmm. but now we see how powerful that can be and how it can be beneficial to clients to have breastfeeding support in the middle of a breastfeeding even if your doula is not physically present in your house if it's 2 a.m and your doula is at home but you're having trouble with a feeding and 2 a.m is always the hard time the Mm -hmm. middle of the night is always the roughest right Mm -hmm. all the boogeymen come forward at that point what happens is you can place a call to the doula and she can facetime her Uh, they can facetime with you and they can have a conversation and talk you through latching and let you say what's worrying you and just be that presence that's there and a bunch of other ways as well i think the one thing that that doulas can't do virtually is to do the hands-on piece of caring for the families the way we would you know mm-hmm. loving on them with the turning in the load of laundry and doing more of those physical components of it the practical things but we help them game plan on what help they need how can they get it who can do what you know what are our options here uh, because the parents are not in a place where it's easy to do that because they're in new parent mindset, which is exactly where they're supposed to be mm-hmm. versus trying to solve all the big the big problems of the world. And I honestly believe with what I've seen and what I've done that this will remain a part of dual work from here on out. And I would have been a bit of a, I would have been, no, not even a bit of, I would have been a really big snob about this <laughs> prior to the pandemic mm-hmm. I would have been horrible about it but I have really been humbled and come to see that support is support being able to offer it up in whatever format we possibly can that works for that family that's what matters that's right yeah and I have actually found for my own work 
that most of my support has still actually been in person. I've been very fortunate to be able to, with my own family, we've been able to stay well, to be able to keep myself well, and we can talk about that in in a minute as far as how we take care of ourselves so that we can support our families. To take that support in person just has another dynamic, but like you were talking about the virtual is just an added bonus now that we've seen where it could be so beneficial in birth and postpartum and now we're offering courses you know maybe postpartum planning and birth planning in virtual and to be able to offer that when families are wanting to reduce that exposure which is a great way to get a professional to be able to walk you through what is birth going to look like and and even if it's not a first time parent sometimes they know that maybe they're in a new city or a new country and they want to talk about what that birth is going to possibly look like and what are the things that they can plan for and and also their postpartum time too. I think too that part of what we've seen is that things that we've done in the past like sometimes doing uh, that education in person or interviewing in person that sort of thing that there are pieces of that that virtual can work really well for Mm -hmm. and it's a in addition to keeping everyone safe, making the doula safer to be able to go into other families, keeping the family healthy, all of that. It also allows a little more freedom with their with the doula's time schedule so that they can focus on, um, you know, what it is their clients need and assemble everything together if you're pulling together resources and things like that. So I do think it's, as a society... I believe around the world we're starting to see that it can be highly valuable. We're mm-hmm. all a little zoomed out right now. Yeah, that's <laughs> With right. All that we've been doing, um, some things take to that take to that better than others, but it will never fully replace the hands-on component, nor should it, because that mm-hmm. is what clients need. But uh, for sure, we at least have the ability to take what we're learning from this time and put it into practice for later on down the world in the best interest of our clients. That's right. Absolutely. I just want to end on what a doula does. I'm going to talk a little bit about what I do is I really like to try to model the behavior of what I'd want for the parents, the mom especially, to to try for and not that I myself (laughs) am perfect every day by any means I am that's why I'm so open-minded and realize that being a lifelong learner and accepting mistakes and failures and things that I've missed also knowing that when we're working with a family and we're a support in their home we can just be there and model that behavior. Also, when we're not there, we're taking care of ourselves. And I think just as a society, we need to maybe think about how we're taking care of ourselves and what we were like before the pandemic. Are all those things, do we really want to go back to? Are we rushing so much that we're not eating healthy? Are we rushing around so much that we're not taking time to exercise or to sleep enough? And I think that's just important in general, of course, but also to allow our moms and families to be the same way and to have that time to take care of themselves. I love that you model that way. It's wonderful. It's uh, it, When you're a new parent, you're like a sponge. You're looking to do the best you can for your child and for your family. And so it's an, a perfect opportunity for learning. And to have someone in your home who's modeling that is really terrific. I love the fact that we were able to talk about what families could look for, but also to what those of them that are out there that want to support in some way and are in a position of being able to serve families 
if someone were to want to connect with you and find out more about the work that you do and the big issues that you're getting to be a part of to advocate for families, what are some of the ways that they can connect with you? So a few things. Um, First of all, um, I do have a website. They can either do nurturingdoulodreams.com or anngrauer.com, G-R-A-U-E-R. Or they can also visit the donor website. The donor website is just this amazing library of information, including on advocacy and the different levels of action that are being taken right now. So tons there. And as far as further advocacy beyond that, I would encourage a visit to the March for Moms website as well, because we need advocacy all around the year, not just on the day of the march. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right. about a constant work. And we have some very important bills in the United States right now. The Momnibus Act is huge, and it's before the legislature right now. And we're hoping to see this passed. Um, we also are seeing similar things that are happening in other countries. So um, finding out, finding your local doulas, finding your doula folks, and being able to connect in with the people who are of like mine is a great way to go. And I think one thing that I just wanted to say to your amazing listeners is that doula work is incredibly rewarding mm-hmm. it's, it's it's not a commodity it's it's you're a part of something that is so much bigger than you are and you're planting seeds and you rarely ever see the seeds sprout you know it'll be years down the road uh and maybe you'll run into a parent and they'll tell you what a difference you made for them which is lovely but you have the privilege of seeing clients at a time when they are laying the foundation for themselves for the rest of their lives and for their children, which is pretty darn special. So it's also about taking care of yourself so that you can be strong and be present for your clients and in your own life and so that you are able to really fully be present with these clients and I hope that anyone who's interested in it and doing the work will do a little bit of digging with Google. We have such a, a great opportunity to learn about all kinds of people and all kinds of things. And your podcast and, and other treasures like this allow us to have a peek inside the doors where that wasn't allowed before. Mm-hmm. But just to know that it's definitely work that is never boring. It's never the same twice. That's right. And you always know you made a difference. And that making a difference, just like you said, is so rewarding. I look forward to every client I work with and anybody that has ever contacted me. I know that I might actually not be a good fit for everyone. And so that's why I have a lot of resources for my clients. And I think going back to what does a doula program offer, the DONA program offers the chance and the opportunity to find those resources for our clients because we know that we're a part of a team and my business name, the modern day tribe, and that tribe is really at a heart of mine of I'm not the only one that's going to be serving these families. And I know that I come with a lot of knowledge and experience at this point, but also a lot of good resources. That is key here to know that there are like a lot of people say it takes a village and there's a lot of people there to support families. And thank you so much again, Anne, for all that you do for doulas around the world and the families that you have served and are serving and 
everything that you do with Dona. It really means the world to me that you're impacting my life and you're actually impacting my family in such ways that it's going to be carried on. And I want you to know that. And I love the fact that I was able to get to be in one of your in-person classes (laughs) before all this started. I cherish the work that you do and, and the things that you have offered all these years. So thank you, Anne. Thanks, Sarah. The main thing is just to get out there and keep doing what you're doing because you're making the world better one family at a time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate your time to share all the things that you have been doing. And we really look forward to seeing what's next for for your work with Dona and Jula's in general. So thank you so much, Anne. Thank you, Sarah. If you want to hang out with me on other social platforms, you can find me on Instagram at Dallas Dula Sarah, on Facebook, The Modern Day Tribe, and on my website, themoderndaytribe.com. And if you loved what you're hearing, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts and share it with your friends and family. These reviews and five-star ratings help this podcast get found by more listeners and parents that are also looking for support and guidance.